0: Thank you, choir. We are so blessed in this church with the music program that we have here. We are grateful to God for our choir and for your leadership in our our worship. Our scripture today comes from 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning verse 9. And while you're turning, as you saw from the ministry moment, if you are interested in learning more about uh, some of these Various teams, we have groups that go do habitat builds, we have groups that go and build handicap ramps, we have uh, groups that are connected, as you heard with Fixing It for Christ, where we uh, try to, to help people's homes uh, to be livable and to be safe places for them. And then the ERT teams, the early, the early response teams, uh, are actually teams that have gone through the certification process. We have about 25, I think. Or so people that have gone through that training the background checks and all and that allows us to be able to um, go in immediately following a disaster or uh, a a Tragic event like a hurricane or whatever it might be and it allows us to go we're recognized by FEMA when, when once we have Those certifications and that allows us around the barriers to be able to go make a difference in people's homes and lives So if you are interested in learning more just contact the church office. We'll get you in touch with Keith or the right uh, people that you need to know. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9, where we read, There he, meaning Elijah, went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, "...I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites, though, have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars. Put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're wanting to kill me too." The Lord said, "...Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by." Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord... But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah. And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars. Put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord said to him, go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, king of Nimshi, king over Israel." and anoint Elisha, son of Japhat, from Abel-Mahola, to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word, for this privilege of studying it together. And God, we just pray now that you would pour out out your Holy Spirit and anoint us with your spirit. Help us to hear your word and find a way to apply it to our lives. And God, as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own, through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The other night we were in our Romans Bible study, and as we were studying the book of Romans, Paul in Romans refers back to this scripture from First Kings 19. And so we kind of looked back at it and we were reading it and studying it together. And it's was one of those moments when you kind of feel God going, hey, are you listening to this? Because one of the challenges we pastors and preachers have is that sometimes you know we read the scripture and go, oh, that'll preach, oh, that'll preach. I can use that, I can use this. And sometimes God has to go, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you too. Are you listening to this? This was one of those scriptures that... I felt like God might have been saying, hey, are you listening to what you are saying? So we're going to wrestle with this a little bit today. And, and, and to understand the scripture, you actually have to go back to 1 Kings 18 to kind of see what's going on. And in 1 Kings 18, there's this, this battle that's going on between King Ahab and Elijah. And the challenge you have going on is that these two people despise each other. They do not like each other at all. And there's a drought now going on in the land. And King Ahab is going, it's all that prophet Elijah's fault. He's stirring up all this trouble. And that's why we can't get any rain. And Elijah's going, actually, king, it's because you turned your back on God. And you brought in all these prophets of Baal. And, and, and you're teaching people to worship false gods. That's what the problem is. And they're going back and forth and back and forth until finally they decide, we got to settle this. So they agree they're going to have a competition. Once and for all, we're going we're gonna to determine this, and, and here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll set up two altars, and we're going to go up onto this Mount Carmel, this beautiful high mountain and, and that overlooks the valley of Jezreel and the, the valley of Megiddo, where we get the word Armageddon. And, and we're going to be up there on this mountain, and we're going to create these two altars, and, and we're going to then pray to our gods, and whoever's God can light the fire, that'll be our guide. We agreed? We are agreed. So let's get this straight. If you pray to your God and your God can light the fire, we're going to follow your God, right? Right. And and if your God can't and we pray to our God and our God can light the fire, we're going to follow our God, right? Right. We all agree? Right. One God. When we're done, one God. Agreed? Agreed. 450 prophets of Baal versus one little Elijah. Although Elijah had God, and that is the edge that you need. And so, you know, Elijah goes, you can go first. And so the 450 prophets of Baal, they, they get their altar together, and they get their stones, and they build their, their wood, and they, they slaughter their bull, and they put the bull on the on the altar, and, and then the 450 prophets of Baal are there, the people of Israel, all the crowds are just kind of watching to see what's going on, and, and they start praying early in the morning. God, light our fire. They're praying to their God, but nothing's really happening. They start early in the morning, go all the way through noon, praying, 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 and nothing is happening. So finally about noon, Elijah starts having some fun. Slow down when you read the Bible and enjoy it, because Elijah has a personality. And sometimes we read through it so fast we miss his personality. Elijah has some personality, because around noon, he decides he's going to have a little bit of fun. He starts going You think maybe your God took a walk or something? Because, I mean, you guys have been praying to him for a while now. We haven't seen anything. And, oh, man, does that get them fired up even more? And they're praying all the harder and all the more. And, and, And then, you know, he goes, I got it. I got it. I got it. I know what your problem is. I figured out what your problem is. Your God's taking a nap. It's nap time. You're trying to pray to your God right in the middle of nap time. Not a good thing, you're going to have to wait a while because that's probably what's happening. Oh, they can't stand it. And, and so they begin cutting themselves because they had this idea that maybe blood would bring about the attention of their God so they're cutting themselves and they're praying. And, they're, and finally Elijah goes, I got it, got it, I finally got it, figured it out. I know what your problem is. In the English it says, your God has wandered away. Now, at the Bible study the other night, I challenged them, I said, I dare you to look at your footnotes, because that's not what it means. It's actually an English euphemism that kind of covers up what it really meant, which is, I know what your problem is, your God's in the bathroom. (laughs) I'm not making it up. That is what the Hebrew actually means here. Your God's on the toilet. That's why your God can't answer you. And then, you know, they've been they've been praying for a day, so you can just hear Elijah going, I wonder what he ate last night. He's been in there a while. <laughs> He's having a ball with this. So finally, in the evening, at the end of the day, they are exhausted, and it's Elijah's turn. So he gets twelve stones for the twelve tribes of Israel and puts them around, and he puts his wood in place, and then he places the, the bull on the top for the offering and and so then he goes, you know what? This is just too easy. Anybody's God ought to be able to light dry wood, except for yours, because yours wasn't real. So let's make it interesting. And they go find four big jars of water, and he has them pour it on there. And he goes, "We'll do it again." So they put four more jars of water on there. He said, "Do it again." And they put four more jars on there. So guys, these new Bibles that you got, the stories in there. I'm not making this up. It's in there. It's a great book. And so you know they now there's this waters just running everywhere, and in First Kings eighteen verse thirty six, Elijah prays his prayer. He goes, oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, that I am merely your servant." And that I've done these things at your bidding. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me so that these people may know that you are Lord. You are God. And that you are offered to turn their hearts back. Well, we're told that immediately the fire came down from heaven burn up the sacrifice, burn up the wood, burn up the stones, and I love the way the Hebrew says, and licked up the water. And all the people that were there started shouting, the Lord is God, because that was the agreement, and now they've seen the power. The Lord really is God. And all the people began to worship, and and the prophets of Baal are then destroyed, and, and you would think that Elijah... That you you think he would just be strutting around going see told you my God was real you think he'd be moonwalking doing those end zone kind of things you know that we see at the end of a football game that he would just be but he's not because if you turn the page King Ahab goes home tells his wife Jezebel what just happened now Jezebel was pretty evil she was a pretty mean woman. And she was willing to to get rid of you just to take your vineyard from you. She was willing to do whatever it took to get whatever she wanted. And and I'll just go ahead and confess to you when I was growing up, sometimes you would hear the old timers if they were talking about somebody which they shouldn't have been doing. But you'd hear them go, I'm gonna tell you right now, she's a little Jezebel. If you ever got called a Jezebel, it was not a compliment. She was a pretty evil person. So when Jezebel hears what's happening, she sends word to Elijah and she goes, Tell you what, I'll have your life within the next 24 hours. And Elijah, instead of going, You know what? My God just showed 450 prophets of Baal, whose God I am not worried about you. But instead, he is terrified. He is terrified. And if you read the beginning of 1 Kings 19, he actually says to the Lord, I just wish you'd go ahead and take my life too. I mean, he goes from cutting up and having a wild time giving the prophets of Bel a hard time to being so defeated. So the Lord provides him food. He takes a 40-day journey then and goes to the mountain, Mount Oreb, where Moses had gone up to get the Ten Commandments. And Elijah goes up there and finds a cave. Crawls into a cave. And that's why God then shows up and you hear God going, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you really doing here? And catch what he says. Now I think you've got to add inflection when you read the scripture. Because what he says is, Well, I've been zealous for you. I tried to serve you, but the people of Israel tore down all your altars. They've killed all the prophets. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. You could just go ahead and get it done. Oh. I mean, it's there. And so God says to him, Elijah, Go to the edge of the cave, go to the edge of the mountain, and the Lord's about to pass by, and so he goes. And when he gets there, all of a sudden, there's this powerful wind, and it's tearing up the trees and the rocks and everything, and the Lord wasn't in it. Surely the Lord's going to be in that. That was powerful. No, the Lord wasn't there. Then there was an earthquake with the shaking and the rattling and all kinds of stuff, but no, the Lord wasn't in that either. And then there was a fire. Surely the Lord's going to be in the fire. That's the symbol of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you look at our stained glass windows here, You know, that's the God the Father window, that's the God the Son window, and up there is the Holy Spirit window, and you'll see that that there are flames on that window because the the fire is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Surely God's in the fire. No, God wasn't in the fire. And then all of a sudden there was, well some translations say sheer silence. Other translations say it was a still small voice. And some say there was a gentle whisper. And it was God speaking again to Elijah, going, What, what are you what are you doing here, Elijah? And he goes, well, I've been trying to be zealous for you, but they've torn down your altars, they've killed all your prophets, and I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me too now. And, and God then goes to him and he goes, look, we're not done. Go back the way you came, and and, and you're to anoint these people as, as kings, and Elisha as a prophet, and... And just know this I've set aside 7,000 more people who believe with you and and, and who are faithful with you. And you're not alone in this at all. You're not alone in this at all. There are some powerful messages when we hear these stories. And one of the things that I clearly hear is that. But the God who's with us on the mountain when the fire of God drops down, the God who's with us when we're having that mountaintop experience, when we're having that, that intimacy with God, when God is so real and God is so tangible, when we feel that we're in sync with God, we're one with God, that's the very God who still wants to be with us when we feel like crawling into a cave. That's the very God who still wants to be with us and, and is still so powerful us that, that, that when we're heading into a cave, it's right there with us to embrace us. What are you doing here? I'm still with you. You don't need to crawl in and hide. I'm here with you. I think we all have those moments in our life if we're honest when we feel that that God is so intimate in our lives and we feel so in sync and God is moving and, and then all it takes is is one threat from Jezebel or all it takes is one phone call or one comment or one post or one something and the next thing you know we just feel our lives have turned upside down and we want to crawl into a cave. And God goes, what are you what are you doing here? I, I have moments just like this in my life. I'm, I'll be confessional with you. And that's, there are moments that you just feel God moving on some Sundays and, and, and the church is full and you finish the worship and you're going, wow, that was awesome. God is real. And, and then, you know, there's a, something happens and you're going, wow, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. We all feel that way. But the God of the mountain is also the God. Who wants to be with us when we're heading to the cave? We all have those strong moments and those weak moments. I, I love the scripture in Matthew 14 when Peter, who's a fisherman, is out on the water with the disciples and he sees Jesus walking across the water and, and Peter goes, Hey, let me do that. Call me to come to you. And Jesus says, Come. And, and Peter steps out. I, I tell you, we don't give Peter enough credit sometimes because the man stepped out of the boat. And that first step a him. But he's the only disciple who ever felt what it was like to walk on water because he had enough faith to step out of the boat to start with. It's easy to sit in the boat and go, Wow, did you see him take his eyes off Jesus? Wow, did you see he was the only one with enough guts to step out of the boat? I mean, he felt that intimacy with Jesus and that faith to step out. And the next thing you know, though, he gets sight of the waves and fills the wind and starts heading for a cave and starts to sink. And Jesus holds out his hand and goes, Hey, I'm still with you, I'm still with you. David in the 23rd Psalm says, The Lord is my shepherd. I've got everything I need. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to be afraid. You're right here with me. Goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. When my life's done, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But then he wrote Psalm 22 as well that says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When I need you, where are you? I think we all have those moments those moments where we feel mountaintop experience fire of god calling down upon us and and we feel the intimacy in that that revival with god and then we have that moment where we go i'd just like to find a cave somewhere and crawl in but the god of the mountain is the same god the second challenge i think we read in the scripture is how do we turn our fear into faith if, if we're honest, we all have fear at times in our lives. And even though we know God is real, sometimes instead of turning to God with our faith, we turn to a cave with our fear. Anxiety is challenging for all of us. You know, we're learning that children today are experiencing more anxiety than it seems that ever before. Children! And youth are experiencing more anxiety today and fear today than almost ever before. And you're going, I don't understand why. I mean, especially us. We live in in a great community, in a fluent community. Great schools, great pretty much everything. Great homes, great lives. You'd think it'd be wonderful, but the stress you got to perform at the top of your class if you want to go to the school that you want to go to. You, you have to be one of the best on your team if you're going to be able to play and please your parents and please everybody else and all the expectations that are upon you. And, and the stress levels are through the roof. Sometimes we just want to find a good cave and crawl in. And as adults, we are really good about saying to our kids, you shouldn't feel that way. And then we turn around and feel the same way. The stress and the pressures are amazing in our lives. And then we preachers get up and go, y'all shouldn't feel that way. And then we go to our office and go, I wish I could find me a good cave. I mean, just 40 days earlier, Elijah said, let it be known this day that you are God. And God did. It. And 40 days later, he's crawling in a cave. My life is over. How do we turn fear into faith? To understand that the God who was with us on the mountain will never leave us. When, when, when Jesus said, I will be with you always, he meant it. When God said, I'm Emmanuel, God is with us, I meant it. I'm always with you. Mountaintop or valley. And then finally, God appears to us in many different ways. I I love the way they come to the edge of the mountain. You know, God's about to appear. And and sometimes I think we have a hard time experiencing God because we've already determined what it's going to look like and therefore we miss it. Because, you know, Elijah gets to the edge of the cave and the wind's blowing. He goes, yep, that's going to be it. And the wind is powerful and doing all kinds of stuff. And this is surely going to be where God reveals himself to me. And then the wind stops like, wow, it wasn't in the wind. So then there's trembling and chattering and there's an earthquake going on and wasn't in there wasn't there either. But here's the thing. God may not have appeared in the wind on that day. But he did in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost with the Holy Spirit. We're told there was a sound like a rushing mighty wind and God breathed upon them and they experienced the presence of God. Sometimes God's in the wind, sometimes God's not. God wasn't in the earthquake for Elijah, but he was in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas are in prison and they prayed out to God and, and they're in chains. They've been beaten and locked to the innermost cell, and all of a sudden there's an earthquake that opens the doors and frees their chains. Sometimes earthquakes, sometimes not so much. Sometimes in the fire. Not this time. But 40 days earlier, God was surely in the fire when he came down and burnt up the offering. Sometimes God is seen in these amazing, mighty acts. And sometimes God is seen in a gentle whisper. The challenge for us is to be ready to listen regardless and to let God speak how God speaks. I'll confess to you, there are a lot of times in my life, I mean, I've had amazing moments in my life, amazing spiritual moments in my life where where god has just been so real present powerful intimate and you just know it and then something can happen and you head for a cave and god goes what are you doing here terry what are you doing here what are you doing here so i ask you today i mean are you having mountaintop experiences or are you headed for a cave Or are you on that 40-day journey that it took him to get to the cave where he's just kind of walking, kicking rocks? Where are we? Because God wants you to know that God who was with you on your mountaintop experiences, if you're going through some cave days, the same God who was with you on the mountaintop will be with you as you try to head toward a cave. And he calls you, come to the edge of the cave and just watch and listen so I can talk to you again. And it may be, in a gentle whisper, it may be something wide open, but the challenge is to move our fear to faith. You have a God who will not abandon you no matter what someone else says. The promises of God are always true. Let's pray. God, I think all of us experience in our lives those times where we feel this incredible intimacy with you or closeness with you or just feel you moving things happen in our lives together couldn't be by accident we can just see your hand at work but it doesn't take much for a jezebel or someone or something to say something or do something that can just rip that away and and take us right to the edge of a cave and we want to find that hole and crawl into it But God, you call us back out to the edge of the cave because you want us to know the God of the mountaintop is the God who's always with us. So help us to have faith. Help us to live a life that trusts in you and not a a life that flees in fear. From fear to faith, that's the challenge. And God... If we watch and listen and pay attention, even from the mouth of the cave, we can hear your gentle whisper. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.